Hey everyone, and welcome to the Americana Station podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Miss Mary Rogers, and we're going to be talking about her new record, "The Ghost of Mary Rogers." Um, a lot of a lot of stuff has been going on uh, over here at Americana Station, and uh, also just in the land of Will Payne Harrison. Um, I'm releasing a record very soon, and uh, today Diddy TV premiered my new video, which Mary Rogers is uh, playing baritone sax in so you can see miss mary rogers uh rocking the berry with me in that video um at diddytv.com world premiere or uh if you go to any of my social medias that's at will Payne harrison on instagram at will p harrison on twitter and facebook.com slash will Payne harrison on facebook uh or just will harrison.com you can uh find out more information about that video and Diddy TV. Really excited about uh, premiering it on there. Some more cool stuff is coming up in the next coming weeks, so make sure you follow me on all those platforms, and follow Mary as well, because she's doing a lot of really cool stuff, Um, and we're going to get into that. Um, Also, coming up on the podcast, I had to double it up this month. I was planning on doing more podcasts, and uh, I've really got slammed with all this um, press and everything for my new record, Um, and so I'm behind, and I apologize on that. We're going to be releasing two this month, and Michael Bromfield is coming out uh, towards the end of this month. And we also have Laura Mae Sox, who is also in my music video. Um, she, today is August 5th, and tomorrow, August 6th, she will be doing her official album release at Honky Tonk Tuesdays here in Nashville, Tennessee, at the American Legion Post 82 on Gallatin Road. So if you're around, you should come out and listen to her, play some honky-tonk, and dance with her. Uh, I'm really excited about that. She's actually given away a uh, Croswell record player with her record um, tomorrow night, so you can enter in the drawing for that and come hang out with all of us and uh, get a chance to dance with Laura May, and uh, maybe even I'll dance with you. So come out to that. Um, Make sure you check out Mary Rogers' uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff as well. Um, Make sure you like us, Americana Station, on Instagram and Facebook as well. And then go ahead and uh, do a little five-star review of me um, on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast right now just uh just give us a nice little review um that really helps us get the name out there and we'd really appreciate that and uh here's uh here's mary rogers mary rogers is a nashville-based performer composer and arranger hailing originally from milwaukee wisconsin she earned a ba of music on saxophone from uw milwaukee Mary joined the Invaders in 2007 on alto and then baritone sax. While in the Invaders, the band won a WAMI, Wisconsin Area Music Industry, for the Best Reggae World Beat Ska in 2008, and she was included on the full-length album Where You Gone. Mary is featured on additional albums, including Midwest Death Rattles, self-titled album, and their sophomore album Post-Apocalypse uh, into Arcadia, Hillbilly Casino, Will Payne Harrison's single, Jacqueline. I love that that's on there. In Nashville, Tennessee, you may see Mary as a freelance instrumentalist sitting in with groups such as Arts Adam Band, Woody Pines, The High Drivers, Paul Birch, The Zimmerman Twins, 
and uh, JD McPherson, just to name a few. Mary has now released her own full-length album called To the Ghost of Mary Rogers, dot, dot, dot. The album is available on CD Baby, iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify. And without further ado, here's Mary. And these clouds blow. Check, check, check. Do you need me to check, 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 check? We're good? Yeah. We're good. That's a good interview. Yeah. And thank you for <laughs> tuning in. <laughs> Hey everyone, today I have Mary Rogers on the program. She has Hello. a new record called The Ghost Of. It's To the Ghost of Mary Rogers. To the Ghost Of. To the Ghost of Mary Rogers. But is it one of those ones where like it ju- it's To the Ghost Of and then your And then name? it's like the album's by... No, it's actually To the Ghost of Mary Rogers dot dot dot. By Mary Rogers. But I don't put that on there. Just <laughs> 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 Like it doesn't say like... To the Ghost of Mary Rogers, Mary Rogers. It just says to the Ghost of Mary Rogers. Dot dot dot. And I can like hope that people can deduct that I am Mary Rogers. I mm. dedicated it to my future and former self. <laughs> that's cool. It's like an album. That's like a letter to myself. That's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> my m- record is called Living with Ghosts. We got a ghost thing. Oh, going we got. We could do like a haunted tour. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's literally about like living with all the ghosts of your past, but also like, uh, you know everyone's always not present they're always like on their phones and stuff like that oh so it's kind of like that you're, you're living with ghosts because people are on their phone or yeah. not present with you oh that is so frustrating i like yeah. that's um i find that kind of like the most frustrating part about society right now is people on their phones uh when people come to visit me and they stay at my house and like they take this vacation and they come to nashville and yeah. they sleep on my couch and they're on their phone like the, the whole, whole time. time i'm like yeah. making them breakfast and like hey where you guys want to go i don't know where do you want to go well it's your vacation it's like yeah where do you want to go i don't know let me look it up and then 10 minutes later they're still on facebook and you're like they're like laughing at a meme and God, put your phone down i'm really yeah. bad at that I'm, I'm not gonna lie so like i complain about it but i also <laughs> know that i'm part of the problem do you ever feel it do you ever feel like when you're on your phone too long yep. at the end of the day you kind of feel vapid yourself like i feel tapped yeah or yeah. like uh, or even a little not d- I don't want to say depressed but a yeah. little down. I like, feel down. Yeah. Or I start to notice um I start to feel a little self-conscious even though over nothing. Right. Like I start to feel like oh man, I need to do more with my life. Look at all these people doing all these yes. things with their life and like the truth is they're posting photos from last month. Yeah. That one time they were off their phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go back and you look at their instagram posts you're like god they're doing so much you go back and look and it's like wow they're wearing the same thing wow this looks like it's the same it's area the same yeah. party. i'm mm. also guilty of doing that <laughs> i'm guilty of doing that too and i think i think too living in nashville and all of our friends being musicians makes it worse yeah because i realized um you know putting out this album i've never really had a i'm never embarrassed to self-promote i mean i'm not an over promoter but like yeah. i'm not one of those people that is embarrassed to say check out what i did i worked really hard on this right you know and uh I, as I started to do it, I started to feel um, sick of it. Not the album, actually, of just promoting already because I'm sick of posting about stuff like that all the time. You know, I'm sick of um, yeah. I'm sick of seeing other people's <laughs> albums. But the truth is I want to see it and I want to hear the album. Yeah. I just don't want to see the Facebook posts or, or Instagram stories like 10 times in a row. And then as I did it, I realized it's not that I'm frustrated myself posting. I am sometimes get tapped out by living in nashville and being around musicians all the time yeah like i need so to all the people that aren't something. 
mm-hmm. in that. So all the people that aren't in that that see your post are like, "Ooh, I got to check out her thing." Yeah. The other thing is that n- people don't even notice uh, until they've seen something about fourteen times. I've I've been told that, and I um I also realize I myself don't scroll a lot on Instagram yeah. or Facebook. Um, I'm gonna go back to a, a an email blast like a mailing list. Yeah. Because I think it's the only way to actually reach people who really want to see it. Like they've signed up to you. Yeah. They're not following you to like just stay friends with you. They're specifically wanting an email. And I'm noticing like I have a lot of people who ask me to personally message them when I have a show. <laughs> yeah. And I can never remember who that is. Right. And then I realized uh, a lot of people are fading away from Facebook or Instagram. Or if they're on them, they don't check them much. Yeah. I never see like I never see my event invites and there's a lot of events I want to go to that I don't end up going to because I didn't see it until the day after or That's something. That's why I always mark interested. I'm always like interested, even if I don't Can't know go. if I can do it or not, because I want to be reminded of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go back to emails and I think I'm going to go back to asking to be put on people's email lists. Even the though I used to get annoyed way. by that. I want to do it the old fashioned way. Well, heck, if I got a personal letter in my mailbox, I'd be delighted I to get something in my mailbox. Posters. For my my new record yeah. and uh, you know the appearing at da da da, da all yeah. that like go old school and just like post oh, up posters man we could do did you say post cards yeah. or posters 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 so what post-cards. if we went even more old school and just yeah. started mailing postcards keeping the U S mail system in business I do do that like I always pick up every time I go to I pick up like four or five postcards and I'll mail one to my niece and nephews and my family and then like a few to friends yeah that's awesome could mail out like appearing at in your hometown <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, Just mo- mail like some sort of generic stamp on it like hey friend <laughs> playing in your town check your facebook <laughs> just mail everyone in that town yeah just coming soon or you could do like circus style where like you put up they used to Ringling. mix f- uh, flour and water and that makes glue basically uh-huh. and just like put up a giant poster on the side of a brick building that won't come off for like a hundred years Ooh. yeah and piss off everyone yeah it'd be or a permanent poster yeah. about that show that happened that one time that's Can't brilliant. scroll that away <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> so we'll you were in the this. circus i was in the circus yeah i was in the dead man's carnival and you were the bearded lady yeah no what were you really don't tell people i don't shave <laughs> <laughs> you do now you used to <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. i have to keep up appearances in nashville right um now that you're an artist yeah <laughs> i was half man half woman <laughs> Um, those are always the worst ones too. Those are always like the worst acts. No, um, I was a musician at the carnival and in the dead man's carnival, we had, um, a, a monthly show with the band on the stage the whole time. And we played live music to all the acts and the acts came from all over the world. And we had to either learn the music that they normally perform to, or we had to write something new for them. Yeah. So it was a constant challenge. I was always playing like five different instruments and switching as fast as I could. And I had three binders of music and, um, I was always learning to do stuff off the cuff and yeah. uh, trying to follow stuff. And I wrote a lot of music for that carnival that some of it we used and some of it we didn't. But um, I know a lot of circus performers throughout the country that would like original music to perform to that they feel connected to. That's not just, you know, the Amelie soundtrack again. So did you use any of your music that you wrote there that didn't get used for your album? I did. Yes. There's That's a cool. there's a few of them that, that they didn't like. <laughs> yeah. But they don't they almost turn everything down the first time and then yeah. I if I push it they're like, "Oh, okay, I see it." So I'll be like, "But I got this trapeze song. It's perfect for the trapeze." 
And uh, yeah, we never used my trapeze song for trapeze. Ah. It's called Man of My Trapeze. It's on the new record? It's on the new record, yeah. There you go. Um, but that's okay. Um, I always felt like the, my favorite part was writing the stuff and yeah. coming up with the ideas. So the fact that it didn't get used just meant I could come up with something else. You know? Yeah. Some of the stuff that didn't get used, I ended up putting words to and actually using as like a vocal song. So it is no harm strange done. how you can be attracted to something completely differently at a different point in your life because I've definitely written songs or even listened to songs where I'm like, oh, this is horrible. What I- what was I thinking? Or like you hear a song, you're like, what the hell were they thinking? And you s- skip to the next track. And then like fast forward a few years and you're like, wow, this is like the best song I've ever written or this is the best song they've ever written. And it just yeah. like, it's crazy how like you just, you weren't there yet. Like you didn't reach that moment of epiphany or something so you just miss out i hated some of the songs i ended up putting on my album but a lot of them were because i for i went through this huge phase in my 20s as a female instrumentalist and like a side person i was always around men and i was having a hard time being comfortable being feminine yeah um, because i was always a tomboy anyway yeah and uh the it kind of made home, it worse. She's wearing a dress right now. I'm wearing a Very dress feminine. with like sparkles, yeah, sparkly <laughs> sandals. I'm I'm super comfortable now, but yeah. like I wasn't in my 20s, and it's a mix of society and just who I was. I was I was kind of a tomboy. I'd rather play in the mud, you know. Yeah. And um, I started to when I was in bands that it really embraced that side of me that I didn't feel. Um, like it was a bad thing. And now by the time I did this record, I felt very like empowered as a female. And so some of the songs I didn't like, they were just simply delicate. And I didn't like being delicate. And now I feel like that's part of the dynamic. Like a circus is quiet and delicate and serene and beautiful. And then it's like a sword swallower. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so that's like the drama of it. So I'm okay with it now. Um, But I used to hate those songs. Yeah. What is your favorite song on the record? It keeps changing. Um, I think my favorite song I've ever written and will always be my favorite song I've ever written is actually the intro. And it's only a minute long. Yeah called hey weirdo <laughs> we used to use it for a commercial in the carnival um it's a, it's a horn section and it's scary and it's also sounds like a marching band and i think it is the best intro for this album to set the tone for what i'm about to do yeah but i also just think it kind of like when i hear it i feel like myself i feel like that's kind of i'm such a <laughs> i'm a blasting weird horn player <laughs> yeah <laughs> janky you know, I don't know. I that's how I like it. But I mean, I I like on and off. I like all the songs on the album. To be honest, I thought by the time I was done with it, I would hate it. But um, I think I'm prouder of this than anything I've ever done. I think um, that's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah, I think that I worked and I fought for this really, really hard. I did a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, I never did do that much self promoting in my life. Oh my gosh, and it never stops. It's like you you think, oh, it's out. I don't. I can stop. And it's like no. It's no, you got to keep started. going. Yeah. And the thing about it that I didn't expect was how many heartwarming messages I got about it. Yeah. How many people reached out to say, I believe in you, like, go get them. And I, it's not like you get that on an everyday basis. Right. You know, when you're struggling and you're writing it, nobody's over your shoulder going, you got this, you know? Yeah. And so after all these years of writing to have people be like, I want to hear what you've been working on. I believe in you. It was like day after day, it was heartwarming and then challenging and then heartwarming and then challenging. But I so I feel like I worked so hard for it that, you know, an album is always a snapshot of where you're at and you're exactly. going to grow by the time it's out and all that. I feel like this is a, a true snapshot of what I'm capable of, not just what I'm doing, but what I'm capable of. Do you think that this is like something that 
the the car- kind of carnival aspect to it is something that you just like had to get out because it was a snapshot of who you are or is this like your sound for I think better well, or worse what's or weird is that different yeah stuff. I was writing circus music before I was in the circus so I yeah. started writing hey weirdo I wrote when I was 18 yeah um some of the other ones I wrote as soon as I got in the carnival or like I already had the ideas before yeah when I moved here I left the carnival and it was um kind of a heart-wrenching process and I didn't want to hear anything circus or see anything circus for the first like couple years. Yeah. I was just like, ah, gross, circus, blah, <laughs> tutus, <laughs> elephants, blah. And then um, I missed it so hard because I missed the creative element and the constant changing element. Yeah. And I missed seeing live performance and being a part of live performance that wasn't just a band standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to embrace and I realized that that was always who I was, circus arts were always interesting to me it was something i always wanted to be a part of i found the best platform to do that in milwaukee and i felt like i needed to carry the tradition to nashville i felt like um the album is like a circus wagon going through time and it starts with circus music and then it goes into ragtime then it goes into jazz then it goes into r&b and jump blues and soul and then into kind of like this weird latin-y fiona apple kind of song uh, and ends on a beautiful lullaby. And it's supposed to be like there's a circus wagon that comes and goes in between those roots musics right. to remind you that that's you're like traveling with the circus. And I think all those styles represent me and what I'm into and what I love. So, yeah, yeah circus is definitely a part of me. Um, all the other styles are, too. And I think I found a creative way to relate them, if that makes sense. You uh, just did your like album release in Wisconsin, yeah. right? How was yeah. that? It was magical. Yeah. <laughs> um, the night before we played in Toledo and the way the show worked out, I had to take my hour and 15, hour and a half minute set and crunch it into 45 minutes. Wow. Um, and I told him that, you know, I'll try, but it's going to be like an hour because I brought circus performers. Yeah. And that meant that our show had to flow seamlessly and I still had to cut a song, but I wanted to get through as much as possible. So when I got to Milwaukee, then my show flowed really well. Mm-hmm. And um, I had circus performers with me. Yeah. So in Toledo, I had Aaron Garber Pearson and Eric Bang. They run the Bird's Eye View Circus there. They're originally from the Dead Man's Carnival uh, in Milwaukee and moved to Toledo. Yeah. And they were great. They did some really amazing acts. And um, actually, I know Aaron wants to come down and do the Nashville release with me that I haven't fully finished booking yet. And then... Um, in Milwaukee, I had Professor Pinkerton Xyloma and um, a juggler named Gypsy Jeff joined in too. And so they brought my music to life. And I basically kept playing song to song to song, and performers would come and go as I was playing. So really it just cool. flowed really well. Yeah. How did, so did they play in front of you? Yeah, they were on the ground in front of okay. me. So in Toledo, there was a tightrope walker, and she has a contraption oh. that's like a tightrope. Like I don't know how to describe it, but it's a tightrope thing that she brings. That she I th- she's a welder and she built it. Um, so she put that in front of the stage, and then when she was done with it, would move it to the side. Yeah. Um, and then Eric Bang had a giant globe that he had ju- did like a juggling walking act on, and once again he just rolled it off the side. Um, we did it in Milwaukee. The Paps Brewery and Tap Room has an elevated stage. Yeah. So he did it on the floor, but the whole crowd could see him because they were kind of back far enough and seating and stuff so he did a lot of acts that involved juggling or he did a balloon swallow 
he did like this um butterfly magic trick he did a different magic trick he brought up people from the audience so he kind of incorporated things to make it did you have a band or were you solo on this um i took two people from nashville with me yeah. uh dave martin on drums and evan windsor on upright bass and they did a phenomenal job luckily they've played with me before yeah and they also played a circus show with me in virginia once before Nice. So they knew that what they were getting into. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they're particularly fans of the circus, but they have a really good attitude. And I think that they enjoy the variety. <laughs> it's always good to have, uh, you know, variety, especially here in Nashville. Not that, I mean, we have variety, but I mean, not more fringe styles. You know, it seems like there's, you know, there's blues and there's folk and there's country and there's, you know, rockabilly and a little bit of R&B is supposedly a little bit of rap, you know, but it's, you know, the the f more fringe elements of the music, I don't feel like are as well represented here. So it's good. Yeah. Well, that's why they need you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, uh, lightning Joe Hazelwood. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, that's when I, well, I was saying that's why they need you. <laughs> I know, I know, but I was also just throwing it back. <laughs> it's true though, you know, but yeah, I'm hoping to add a lot of variety and I was booking a Nashville show and I was having a hard time finding a venue that was like, um, big enough for circus performers. Right. And I would like my premiere to have the horn section that I have on the album and the yeah. auxiliary percussionist that I have on the album, which means we need some space. Oh, I know. I know exactly. And that's really hard is like, uh, this is my first album. Can I book a giant room? It's like, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to figure it out. I might do an outdoor show. Um, that would be cool. Plausible. Um, I'm not really sure what to do, but I realized when I was in Milwaukee and the show was going exactly how I wanted it to, mm -hmm. I have to push back the release in Nashville, yeah. do the show that I want, right. not do the show that Nashville's used to. Right. Because here, when you see a variety show, it's usually burlesque or freak show. Yes. And it's yeah. rare. Um, and it doesn't always have a live band. I would like to put on a traditional circus like the one I was used to, like a 10 in one tent kind of show. And I feel like that is something that Nashville is thirsty for right. with all these bands just playing as bands to bring in performers, I think makes it really special. Yeah. I would like to perform like that all the time if I could afford to. Right. There's the, yeah, you know, the key. <laughs> I call it my three ringlet circus. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, um, I post little bug videos on Instagram and I make little compositions for them. Like they're circus performers. Uh -huh. Um, so stinky is, uh, Stinky is my main my main character. Stinky McPartybug is what I call him. He's a stink bug. And he does daredevil acts. <laughs> <laughs> like tightrope walking and fire dancing. Um, it's really just him walking on cords and flying into the light over and over. But it's funny. And then I make little soundtracks to him. So I may not be able to bring the circus to Nashville, but maybe I can bring it to my house with all the stink bugs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so, but you also, you, you said uh, that you do a lot of side gig stuff yeah um and you were playing at the nashville boogie yeah um now i wasn't there but uh jeremy was uh, trying to explain the story who, who did you play with again you played with an uh, um i played on friday with art adams he's um he's he's an older gentleman yeah. in the rockabilly hall of fame um he had a hit on the cherry level li label in the 50s um yep not remembering it now sorry about that folks <laughs> but I'll Art Adams, look him up, Art Adams yeah. band. <laughs> and then um, on Saturday, I played with Bailey D and her late night ba from Chicago. They're an R&B band. I jumped in with Jane Rose and the Dead End Boys, who has now moved here. 
and she plays uh, at Drifters a lot on, I think it's Friday nights. And then on Sunday, I played with Ronnie Spector and the Ronettes. Yes, that and was, that was the a highlight of my career, probably. Really? You know? Oh, it was like incredibly special. I had no idea how over the top beautiful that show was going to be. I mean, everyone in the audience was crying. Yeah, that's what Jeremy said. Yeah, it was like impossible to not cry. And she got choked up on stage, like talking about her life. And it was just like, it was real. It was very real. And yeah. it felt like what a show probably would be more like in the 60s versus what you see a lot now, which is so like, um, it was just really well organized and well produced. And like, it was a show. It wasn't just like a band playing or like, yeah, you know, it was really cool. They had like a, a film going on in the background that matched either the song she was doing or she told a story and it would cut to a clip of like uh, her talking to Dick Clark or something like that. And yeah. um, it was really cool. Yeah. I felt really special to play those Barry parts because right. it's yeah. all Barry, you know. And I heard myself play and I was like, whoa, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. always cool when that happens. You're like, yeah. man, that was cool. That's oh, amazing. that's me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, that's Barry T. Sachs. <laughs> he has his own Facebook page. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> um uh so what do you like we're gonna edit right here (laughs) um what what do you prefer to do uh do you prefer the artistry or do you prefer the side man or is it just kind of like you enjoy both equally i enjoy both um there's benefits to to both and there's downsides to both i was never a front man until two summers ago when at drifters i was playing there a lot as a side person yeah and marcia who does the booking there asked if i could do my own set and i was like well i don't have a band she's like can you make one <laughs> and i was like well yeah you know yeah. okay that was sure. so much harder than i expected and, uh, uh, how much uh, money are you giving me <laughs> i know and it was like playing for tips and i'm like well okay i do write songs um yeah. i can sing i can play piano i can figure this out you know yeah. And it was it was a really rough start, but I I got creative with it. I had a lot of special guests, you know. I think that I will always be more comfortable as a side person because I've been playing saxophone since I was eleven. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I I taught myself piano starting at fourteen. I didn't sing publicly until a couple years ago. Really. Yeah. So it took a lot of uh, quick training to figure that out. Yeah. Um. And was it that hard of a transition going from? I mean, you're you're basically breathing the same way you're breathing the same yeah um it's learning the control <laughs> for me i have a wisconsin accent yes so for me it's it very like well <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's like not being like a <laughs> <laughs> uh it's learning to it's basically muscle memory like anything else it's just being able to learn how to take care of your throat and and yeah. for me it was um <clears throat> not shredding it yeah and it was for me it was a uh, control like not just shouting all the time yeah things like that um it was also just it's really hard you know i suppose putting myself out there singing wise i did sing a few songs for the carnival as like a guest um for me hearing myself through the speakers and trying to like relate what i'm hearing to what i'm feeling is different yeah and when i started at drifters my main vocabulary was my original music Right. And singing your own music in front of people is way more intimidating than singing a cover. But I couldn't physically play covers on the piano. I could only play what I wrote. So I had to do my originals right off the bat. 
Yeah. And I think like that was the biggest transition probably. And trying to sing and play and have a personality is very hard on piano. Yeah. Because you're like behind a console. And uh, on saxophone, I'm usually really expressive, but I have time in between playing notes to do that. Or I have like, I can dance around or, you know, when you're behind the piano, it's like, it's like the difference of being a waitress and a bartender. As a waitress, if you don't like somebody, you can just walk away, right? Yeah. When you're a bartender, you're just stuck at the bar <laughs> dealing with them. And it's kind of the same to well me. Well, you can also, I think, because I started as a sideman as well, and uh, I didn't start songwriting and being in front of the microphone until, um, I guess, about like eight years ago. And I think that uh, for me, uh, when I was a side guy, I always just somehow thought, everyone's looking at the person singing yeah. so like it i felt like almost like i had a camouflage on yeah. or something you know like yeah. i'm here but i'm not here yeah but when you're in front of the microphone all of a sudden all that goes away and you feel like oh, oh at God. least for me you feel naked and it took me it's probably taken me seven years to get to the place where i didn't feel so uncomfortable doing that makes that. me feel a little bit better because yeah. i'm this is my third year of trying to really run my own group and um it comes and it goes yeah but um, it's, I'm struggling with that. I'm having a hard time being, you know, as much of a diva as I can be. I actually don't want to be the center of attention. I also find, and I, I, I have heard the same for comedians, when it's a smaller crowd, it makes me way more nervous. Oh, God, yeah. Than a larger crowd. Well, you can see every expression on their face. Yep. You can um, watch them walk away. You can hear their conversations yeah. sometimes. It's kind yeah. of the same with two when you when you are playing just one or two songs with someone. That's more nerve-wracking than playing a whole set. Yes. Why is that? Because if you screw up, you have no opportunity to like redeem yourself. Yeah. Um, well, I always feel like it's like I'm not in the groove yet. Like yeah. two songs, I'm just starting to get in the groove. God, it happens to me as weird. a sax player all the time. Like most bands only want me to play like two or two three song, songs. Yeah. So you're <laughs> like, then you sit there and you wait until midnight to do that one song. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's an interesting, that's, that's also a benefit of being a front person. You can call the shots. You can decide what you're going to do. Yeah. When you're a side person, you're really subject to what other people do and how they communicate in yeah, it's just it's just different. There's benefits and there's downsides. I don't think I actually fully have a preference because I see the benefit in both right now. But I would say when somebody hires me to play R&B on saxophone, I'm all about it because yeah. something in my wheelhouse that I know how to do and like feel comfortable and enjoy like Yeah. Yeah. I love playing bass and a lot of people don't really know this but it's just like i've been playing since i was 12 years old and uh same as you on sax and um like i literally can just get up there and like people are like oh damn like yeah you really you got the chops because yeah. most guitar players are like okay here he comes but uh, i've been doing bass so long and i actually uh went to school for jazz bass and all this stuff oh so cool uh, I love playing bass. It's so comfortable for me, and nobody pays attention to bass players. So you're like in the dark, you <laughs> know. No one gives a shit, and it's great. But uh, so I love doing that, and and the, the like you said, the benefit of that is you know you you stand in the dark. You're you know you get paid, you go home. Like there there's no real like big dog in the fight other than you just want to make the guy sound good. Mm -hmm. But you know when you're the artist, it's like you're the first to get there, the last to go home oh and also god. the last to get paid and <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, that, oh my god, the responsibility shift is yeah. uncanny. I was prepared for it a little bit, but I mean, you have to be on it and you have to be bold and you have to be like, stop screwing around. Like we're serious, this is serious time. You know, it's like yep. you have to really like set a standard and uphold it. 
And yeah, you do have to be the first one there. You can expect to be the only one loading the merch. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, I already packed my instrument. And I've heard that complaint from so many bands before. And I'm always the person who who tries to, if I'm on the whole show, I'll help carry stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always help your drummer, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've had drummers not want help. Oh, yeah. Maybe Most they of don't them have do like that. You got to fight them a little bit. Yeah. Oh, no, I got it. No, man. Come on. Yeah. Give me your bass drum. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's. I think it might depend on their cases or something. Like. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Um. But I always offer to like wrap up cables or pack up the merch or do something like that for bands that I'm traveling with. Um. But it is. Yeah. The responsibility shift is crazy because it goes to like making sure everyone has time to eat and all that stuff. Whereas when you're a side yeah. person, you just go with the flow. Yeah, and I think that like when you become the main person, you when you are the side side person you respect the main person so much more because you're like oh my god you're, you're like you have to have logistics you have to you're probably booking the shows you have to perform and be on for two and a half hours yeah. or whatever like all i have to do is just sit here and play you know like yeah I, <laughs> I do i do appreciate it more doing yeah. this for sure i mean i felt like i was always quite into what was going on and yeah. tried to be respectful but I, I would say yeah it's given me a bigger perspective of it um, but there was this moment when we were traveling this weekend that this is my first time hiring a band to travel. I had to rent a van because I don't have a van. Oof. So this is my first time like being responsible yeah. for taking other people with me. And um, this was also in a, uh, during my release. I have to have all my Kickstarter yep. rewards exactly. and all that yeah. stuff. I s hand screen printed 100 bandanas. I had to like pre-sign 130 CDs. Like I had a lot to do besides that, you know. Right. And so then we're on the road and I was kind of getting mentally fatigued or probably ditzy to them and i kept misplacing things <laughs> i mean it was just like it was like every hour where's my jacket where's my wallet where's my keys it was horrible and they were making fun of me like this must be frustrating for you and i was like look i know you guys are finding this hilarious right now but the truth is you have no idea how many things i'm doing at once you just sit in the van while i'm figuring it all out yeah like, exactly i'm tired you know i'm t you guys are tired i'm tired i was like just give me like a little leeway here this is my first time doing this and it's oh it's so much i don't yeah. have a system yet you know and it's i will eventually but i know that they were also razzing me because we're friends enough where they can feel comfortable to razz me yeah but it, i really don't think they saw how much work went into what i was doing yeah which made me proud of it though yeah so moving forward, what's the what are the next steps? What are you That's a really good to? question. So I when I went in to do this CD, um, I didn't have as many expectations of what would happen after. And what happened after is I feel like I I'm really proud of my album, and I feel like I can do a lot with it. I have instrumentals, I have vocals, I have different styles. Um, what I'm going to do now is sell my car, buy my grandma's minivan. <laughs> Because she can't drive it anymore. <laughs> and uh, try to travel as much as possible and try to just play it out as much as possible and get it yeah. out there. Um, I teach uh, students at Fanny's House of Music. But luckily, because I'm self-employed, I can set my own schedule. Yeah. And I realized while I was on the road for this last run, I felt more myself than I think I've ever felt. I was like, this is what I should be doing. Which I always thought I should just be a sax player. I never was trying to be the front person or yeah. whatever. I liked writing, but like I like writing for other people, you know, yeah. but I realized as I was doing it that actually this is me. This is what I should be doing. So I'm going to travel, get out the album as much as possible. Keep writing. Yeah. I want to collaborate with as many circuses as possible um, and try to get people to uh, in tune with that. I've got 
There's uh, the Theater Bazaar Orchestra in Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. They're talking about um, how to kind of work together and support each other. But your phone was on silent. Shh, <laughs> don't call you out. Edit that. No. <laughs> you don't have to edit that. Continue. Um, <laughs> apparently, I unsilenced it, which is par for the course of my week. Of Where's uh, my jacket? Where's my wallet? Where's my keys? <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, they're a really cool orchestra that does circus-related stuff. And there's also... Um, Chad Canfield up in Baraboo, Wisconsin. He lives in the home of the circus. It's uh, where they have the Circus World Museum. And it's where they have the biggest collection of circus wagons and circus instruments. And he does recordings up there that are soundtracks and um, different thematic things that he records and sells and is part of. And I'm going to go up there and do some collaborating with him in like next month. So I want to work with... Uh, yeah, I'm kind of taking it the circus route, which I didn't expect. But hmm. instead of, you know... I want to, I guess, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing, I suppose. It's the real answer. <laughs> play music, <laughs> play moving. music, play music, you know. <laughs> That's great. Um, I would love to hear one of your new songs. Would you play one for us? Yes. Uh, what's the song called? I'm going to do the song Man of My Dreams. On my out-of-tune piano. Here it's going to sound better on that. <laughs> Very circusy. Man of my dreams is only one drink away from me. Maybe if I stay, he'll say all the things I hear. Cause the man of my dreams is only one smoke away from me. Maybe if I light, he'll see all the things I see.
you keep staring, not even caring. Well, that's it for this episode of Americana Station. Thanks so much, Mary, for coming on. Um, you're a fantastic musician and so much fun to interview. Hope to have you back sometime. Um, make sure you go and follow Mary on all of her socials and make sure you follow us on all of our socials as well as rating us and reviewing us on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever platform you choose to. We're also on SoundCloud. Um, thank you so much. We will see you next time. We're going to have Michael Braunfeld. My name is Will Payne Harrison, and this is Americana Station. Well, these leaves heap Until they hide Shield us And how long Will you keep teasing A kiss so pleasing Because I know I know you're real I pray that I pray that you feel the same